This is Will Montgomery, former Washington Redskins center. Yo, what's good, folks? This is Trey Johnson, the headbanger, yo. And you're listening to Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. Word. What's going on, Rally? How you doing, man? Definitely in a different setting here. Well, for those who don't know, we are at the team store, and it feels good being inside of the stadium outside of a game day. Ted, let's get it, brother. I actually think I come here maybe twice a week, and when it closed down for a couple of months, I was definitely heartbroken, a little depressed. You were lost. I was. I was. And you couldn't actually hang out in the parking lot, because there are times when I would come to the store and just come to the stadium and have breakfast. And some people think I'm kind of crazy for that, but this is my happy place. And it feels good to be back here at the stadium, but it feels even better to be joined by Tim Hightower, Director of Alumni Relations for the Commanders. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here, Tim. Absolutely. So you've done an amazing job since you've taken over as director. I mean, a lot of the alumni I'm friends with know a lot of the guys and I love to hear some stories about them off mic one of these days, especially maybe Kedrick Golston and Will and some of the other guys. But since you've been here, there have been so many events that you have actually scheduled and set up with the team. I'm thinking about a dinner at DC Prime during training camp that you had set up. And Doc Walker joins Kevin Sheehan on his show. And Doc refused to tell Kevin anything that happened at that event. I mean, the stories, the things that are happening... Yeah. You know, you had Art and you had, you know, Ricky and Gary sitting down with Jahan and Terry and Curtis just two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, what's it like to be there? What's it like to be kind of a fly on the wall for some of those just engagements with some of the alumni and some of the young bucks? Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, you know, thank you. I, it's, it's very personal for me, you know, being an alumni and you go from being on that field, hearing, you know, hearing the fans cheer, being a part of this community to next thing you know, you almost can become forgotten, right? And so I know what that feeling is like and I know what it's like and what it feels like to pour your heart and your soul and your blood, sweat and tears into an organization, into a community. The next thing you know, um, you're thinking, man, you know, was it in vain? You know, did it, was it forgotten? I'm just another guy. And so with this organization, 90 years of, of a legacy to be able to connect with so many guys and get them back reconnected and see the history, the legacy, those stories, those lessons being taught and that wisdom being passed down from generation to generation is special. It's special to see a Terry, his eyes fixated on, he, he, he sees an art monk, right? You see him at the top of a leaderboard. But to put your eyes on them and to, to have those conversations and see, hear those dialogues, right? Like, that's special. You know, it's, it's special, man, and, and it's something to be a part of that. You know, I, I look forward to continuing to build those moments. Well, we look forward to you doing that because from a fan base perspective, just seeing the influence that you've had in the time that you've been director of alumni relations, just bringing all the guys back, I mean – it's now Wednesday, November 2nd. We just had Alumni Weekend. And, you know, they've had Homecoming Weekend, Alumni Weekend for a decade now. Yeah. I, I'm curious. I'm actually wondering, is this the most alumni that have actually ever come back for an event? From, from my knowledge. From my knowledge. And, and look, it, it's, we all know, right? We're the commanders now, right? It's a new brand. But yet the challenge is, how do you bring a legacy with this new brand? Right. You know, this summer, part of what, you know, with the, what we did with Doc, this is the first commander's class. 
And mm. so you can't assume that these guys know anything about the legacy and the history of this organization, mm-hmm. right? And so it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility as an organization to make sure that's embedded in everything that we do, right? And so that's why it was important and it was imperative for me to intentionally bring guys who, especially guys who are local, the Doc Walkers, the B. Mitches, the you know, Gary Clarks, Ken Harveys, all these guys, who Doug Williams, who've been here. They know it. They, they've seen the city united for this team and this organization mm-hmm. to pass that to these guys. Here's the expectation, right? Here's, here's the legacy. Don't, I understand we've had some challenges as, as of late and we're, we're getting back to where we need to be, but this is who we, this is the foundation, the legacy that's set. This is why this fan base is so passionate Yeah, because they're used to this level of competition and camaraderie and family and commitment to a community. And so seeing that, seeing those guys, um, uh, getting a chance for those guys to see that, to hear that, and to buy into that, and then seeing that transfer it all, you know, to alumni homecoming, those guys enjoy it because they like being back involved and being back a part of this organization. So it was special. How hard is it to get guys who are out of the market to make their way back to this area for things like alumni weekend? You know what? The, the first year it was it was probably more challenging than it, than it was this year mm-hmm. because you, you're building relationships and. Look, I, I left this organization, and, and most most guys in this sport, you leave, you don't leave on your terms. You leave because you know, injury, you know, you're traded, you're cut, you're too old. Something like that happens, and so it's hard not to leave with a bitter taste in your mouth. That's mm-hmm. any organization, right? And so you take that on top of some guys that may have been five years, ten years since they've been back, you know. And guys were skeptical at first. Mm-hmm. Is this a PR stunt? What is this all about? Why do you want me back around now? Um but you start building those relationships. And that's not to say that there are a lot of great relationships that were built, right? There were a lot of great relationships that were guys who were currently involved. But for others, that first year was getting to know those guys, right? I flew down to Orlando the first year and had dinner with, with Daryl Green and, and Art and, you know, a lot of those guys who were down in Orlando, just building those relationships, listening to them. What's important to you guys? What do you want to be a part of, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just me just throwing random events. It's this is intentional based on the feedback that I've, that I've heard from them. So, um, and the more they see it, the more they see themselves reflected in the organization, the more they want to be back. The ah, more they okay. get a chance to be back around the guys, the more they want um, to be back involved with what we're doing. Oh, that's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. Because I thought it might be difficult to say, nah, man, I don't want to be a part of that right now. You know, now. You, know you haven't called me in 15 years. Why, like you said, why now you want to give me a call? But, but that's good. You good, know what? Good the thing that I've seen, and I, I literally, man, and, and this was the thing that it was awesome to see Art, you know, uh, uh, Art was swarmed when he came here Sunday. I was one but of them. It, but, it was, but it was love, though. <laughs> yes. You know, and he felt that. And talking to him afterwards, you know, I kind of apologized. I said, hey, I'm sorry I didn't have more security for you. And he said, you know what? That's what makes this place special. Mm-hmm. And so it's not pulling these guys' leg, right? I don't mm-hmm. know how it is in Green Bay. I don't know how it is in Buffalo. But these guys, we all, and I say these guys, I, I mean, I spend a, a brief Brief, brief time here, but you remember how passionate this fan base is, it, right? Right, and oh, so yeah. guys remember that. And so when they get a chance to come back and they feel the love from the fans, um, and then they also get a chance to connect with their teammates, it, it's it's not as hard once you just communicate and get them back here, and they feel that it feels like family all over again. Yeah, because they were childhood heroes, and for the most part, they still are heroes, even though they're just a little older. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of childhood, you grew up not too far from the stadium. Yeah. So what's it been like knowing that you, and I'm not sure if you were a fan growing up, but that this is kind of a part of you now, that this is home and you're making such an important impact on really bringing the legacy 
of this franchise together with the future of this franchise? It's, it's, uh, it's surreal and it's humbling. You know, uh, just personally, I left this place with an injury. I was so excited to be back here, um, you know, wanted to be a part of winning and bringing a championship here growing up here in, in, you know, my backyard, driving past the games, hearing it on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, just you can't help if you live in this area, you can't help but know what's going on with this team. And, but it ended prematurely for me personally. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And so to get a chance to come back and be a part of building something special here, uh, I, don't take, I don't take it lightly. I said it's personal for me, right, as far as just making sure that these guys' legacies are, are, are honored here, but also making sure our fans feel a part of, you know, what we're building here, a, a chance to reconnect with you know, some of their childhood heroes mm-hmm. and the people who they've cheered on for, for so many years. And speaking of it ending for you kind of as fast as it did, you came out with a book. And for those of our listeners out there, those people that are watching, you can find it on Amazon.com. It's called A Dream Worth Fighting For. Never let obstacles stop you from being your best self. What made you want to do that? I mean, going from a, a former NFL player, former athlete, to now the director, director of alumni relations, it's not like you have enough stuff on your plate. I mean, to actually want to put pen to paper, and you know, obviously that's the old way of doing it, but you know where I'm getting. Why did you decide to write this book? Why did you want to share that story? I didn't at first. Um, hmm. I didn't. Uh, it was painful. My life changed in three to five seconds. You know, I go from being here, I felt like at the, you know, the, the pinnacle of my career at the time. And um, the next thing you know, I make one cut and my knee completely gave out. And you go from being 24 years old in your prime to being told you probably would never play football again. That was a tough pill to swallow. And in the four years that, you know, in between of just kind of climbing and fighting and losing a lot, life changing. Um, and so I didn't, but the more I connected with people outside of the game, you start to understand and learn that it's bigger than football. There's so many people who are going through and this pandemic has shown us life altering experiences every single day, loved ones, Mm -hmm. personal health, jobs, whatever that may be. And we're all searching for inspiration. We're all searching for answers. And as I was, as I'm laying in the hospital after the yet fifth surgery, not knowing where my next meal was going to come from to provide for my family, I, all I could do sometimes was scroll through YouTube or read books and try to find inspiration from somebody who's ever did anything, um, accomplished what people said they couldn't do. And so it became a mission, right? It became like a personal, like it's a responsibility that, it's my, it's my responsibility to share, being that I was able to overcome that and get back to playing. Um, it's my responsibility to share whatever lessons that I learned and impacted me with somebody else in the way that I gleaned from so many others uh, during my four-year absence from football. So you're a rookie in the NFL. How much is the difference between a rookie today versus a rookie when you came through? Uh, well, there's a lot. <laughs> the economics are different for sure. I look at yes. the, the minimum salary when I was playing versus then. I mean, even it's just that that, that game is changing, but the expectations are, are a lot different too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're, you're expected to come in and contribute like now, right? Like this is a week to week 
there's not a you're a rookie, you've got time to grow and develop it. No, no, you've got to contribute now. You've got to earn your stake now. And so I think from that standpoint, uh, it's a lot on those guys to come in and learn how to – I mean, you're, you literally go from being a college kid, sleeping in a dorm room, living off meal swipes on your card, to next thing you know, you're in a new city, you're hiring people, and you're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a professional. You've got a microphone. Now with social media, you've got a microphone everywhere you go. Everything is highly scrutinized. Your wins, your losses, your daily ha- habits and routines, who you hang out with. And you're trying to figure all that out in the span of like a few months. From On the fly, basically. Like, yeah. like you're trying to figure that out. Um, and so, man, it, it, again, while being like under the public eye all the time, right? So... The game has changed so much, man. Uh, yes, it's still X's and O's, but I think there's a lot more pressure on these guys to perform early and often and consistently. Mm. Oh. No, I can definitely appreciate that. I mean, with the economic piece of it, obviously, you know, it's the old song, more money, more problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, things opened up. But, you know, you played with the Arizona Cardinals. You were here with, back then, the Washington Redskins. And then the Saints and the 49ers. So, 49ers was a quick stint there. This being the DMV mess hall, and I'm not sure if you know me, I do food, I do a lot of cooking on TV and things like that here. Who had the best food out of all those regions you were in? D.C. is such a melting pot, man. It is, it is. You know what, it's, I appreciated the New Orleans, uh, you know, the gumbo and some Mm -hmm. some of the the places that, but there's nothing like D.C., man. There's so many different ethnic um, and, you know, foods and groups. And, and uh, I definitely had a good time here, and, and I appreciate it here. And, and uh, it, it's hard to choose, man, but I, I, I definitely would, would, would rank D.C. in the top, top place that I've been for sure. So if I had to come up with a dish, like your favorite meal, because I feed a couple hundred people out there on game Ooh. days, what would the Tim Hightower dish be? Oh, man. Think about it, Tim. That's tough, man. That, that, that's just, <laughs> depends on the day. Who, who are we playing? Let, let me ask you that. What's the weather? Who are we playing? What's the mood? So I can tell you what I'm making for the Vikings, and we're going to be doing a couple of different things there. Obviously, Juicy Lucy's. Okay. We're going to be doing some Swedish meatballs with some mashed potatoes and some gravy. You know, a lot of different stuff going on. But if you were at a restaurant and they were dedicating an item to you, what would you want that to be? I love Caribbean food, personally. There you go. Okay. You know, I, 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 I love Caribbean food. Um, and so, for me, it, it would be some kind of jerk oxtails or chicken or, it, yeah, it'd probably some cabbage. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's probably something Caribbean for me. That, that would be my top one. Nah, that's awesome. We might have to get the guys from Kitchen Cray on the club level to maybe make you something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, Ted, I got a question for people who don't know. What's a Juicy Lucy? It's a burger stuffed with cheese. Nothing crazy about it, but it's just a burger. I take two burger patties, squish them together, and just put some cheddar cheese in the middle. It's something famous in Minnesota. Okay. And oh, Tim, wow. for though you might not know, I've been doing the tailgates out there for over 20 years. Yep. Fed, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people at this wow. point, and I've got all my menus for the past 15 years, and we try and change it up each week depending on who comes to town. Okay. And this week, I'm doing a big charity fundraiser out there for uh, fallen first responder families. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Okay. So we're going to be doing a, kind of a crazy tailgate out there. What so time? What time? Starting at 9 in the morning. 9 in the morning. 9 gotta, in the we morning. we got to get some alumni out there. Man. Yeah. we got to get some alumni out there. Love sure. to have you anytime. Yeah. Some of them actually stopped by for the alumni game. Kendrick okay. Golson came by. Uh, Will Montgomery, Ken. I used to do a TV show with some of those guys. So they came out and stopped by. But you guys are always welcome to come hang out, come get some food, and maybe have a drink, you know, depending on what you got going on, and, you know, have a good time before you go inside. I'll, I'll come check you out, man. I'll come check you out. But speaking of good times, Tim, this was great. I want to be respectful of yours. Thank you for joining us here in the mess hall. Is there anything you want to get out there before we let you go? No, look, I appreciate what, what, what you all do. And, look, it, it's, as I said, the alumni, they think that we, one of the things that we all come back for is the fans. It's the fans. And it's people like you all who are dedicated, committed during the week, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting everyone else going. You're keeping everyone else rallied. That's the reason why it's, it's easy for those. A lot of those guys live here. They stay here. It's because of their connection to the community and to the fans. So thank you all for what you do and for staying behind and with this team for so long. We appreciate it. Now, when the name changed, and I remember seeing you outside on 2222, and I was out there drinking champagne for, I think, the entire day, and you pulled up in the Tesla that was wrapped. Yep. And you had the nice jacket on with the gold sleeves. And ever since then, the way I've looked at it with the name change is if I'm lucky enough to have a daughter, and I'm walking her down the aisle, and she changes her last name and takes on the name of her spouse. Mm. None of those memories went away. All of that is still there. All of those things that we experienced together are still there. So that's what I've been preaching to this fan base, that the name might have changed, but all of the memories with all the past alumni that you are bringing back towards us, that all of the Lombardi trophies, it's still the same. We've been here since 1932, and we're not going anywhere. That's right. You preach it, Ted. Yeah. It, look, it's Wednesday, but you're preaching like it's a Sunday, <laughs> man. I tell those guys, and I'll finish here. One family, one legacy, forever Washington. I appreciate you all, man. Love it. Thanks, Tim. We Thank appreciate you. you joining us, Tim. Thank you. Rally and I really appreciate Tim Hightower for joining us for our first episode of Mess Hall on the Road. It I like that. I like that. Damn good to be here at the new team store and just back at the stadium in general, man, and especially even if it's not a game day. Yeah, just looking at all of the fly gear they have here. I mean, it makes me want to spend a lot of money that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, they had that uh, day where fans with different packages could actually come in and get, I want to say it was 50% off. I was out of town for that. Yeah, that, you were out of town that day, yeah. and I spent way too much money that day, and I had to get the credit card bill before Mrs. Tailgate got to it because <laughs> she would not be happy, and she was concerned that we were recording live from here today. And I told her I wouldn't spend as much as I did last time. I'm holding his hand, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I've got your cards in my pocket, so he can't spend. We'll be leaving when the store closes, so you won't have any issues. Right, we got a couple more hours. And for those wondering, <laughs> it's Wednesday, November 2nd here. It's 444. And uh, we kind of want to jump into it and really send our prayers and condolences to the Rivera family. Yeah. Last week, Coach flew out to California. And obviously, it was because his mother wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. She passed away this past Monday, peacefully at home with family around her. And we just really wanted to send out some prayers and blessings to them. You know, regardless of what you think, football from perspective, life is more important. And coach, we're thinking about you. We appreciate everything you do for us here. And, you know, obviously you, your daughter, everyone that are in our thoughts. Yeah, coach, keep your head up. And we appreciate your continued, uh, that you are here with us even though 
your families back home. We appreciate it. Yeah, and last week, what was it? Uh, who's our D coordinator? Why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Del Rio filled in, and Jake, I was curious. How could you forget Jack Del Rio? Yeah, I know. It's it's because I'm freezing inside here. We got the air condition blowing right on top of us, and I think I'm going to be a Filipino popsicle here in a minute. But, yeah, the, it's not firing right now just because I'm so cold. Gotcha. But I was curious if Del Rio was actually going to step in, and it turns out that he's not because Coach went back last week. He's still here. He's taking care of the ship. We've got a game coming up this week, and we really want to focus on that. We're going to have Luke Braun join us from Locked On Vikings, and we appreciate Luke taking the time. But we also want to mention our sponsors, Woodbridge Collectibles. Us being here remote, having this equipment, and this isn't going to be the first time. The mess hall is going to be on the road. Really appreciate Woodbridge Collectibles signing up with us and giving us a chance to do things like this. And Riley, I'm looking at some sweet jerseys right now that I would love to get autographed and get those guys to frame. I see two. As a matter of fact, I will be picking at least one up to be framed. And also, um, there's going to be a surprise. I'm going to shoot ahead a week or two weeks. There's going to be a surprise for the crew that are coming to Houston for the rally there. Woodbridge Collectibles is going to have a surprise for you guys that we'll be raffling off. And once again, all the proceeds go to the uh, American Red Cross. Oh, that's awesome, man. I had no idea. I'm a little jealous. Uh, obviously, I missed it last week. I'm not doing any more road games unless we make it to the playoffs. So we'll see how it goes. But if anybody does get any jerseys and wants to get them framed, hit up our boys at Woodbridge Collectibles. They've got a good deal right now, 20% off framing. Just mention DMV Mess Hall, and they'll take care of you. 2-0, folks. 2-0. 20%. Once again, you can't beat it if you are into having collectibles framed. And something that we also need to talk about is the fact that they just don't frame collectibles. Pretty much anything that you need and you want a frame around, Woodbridge Collectibles can take care of it for you. So here we are. Once again, one thing that's inevitable is the holidays, and we are on the precipice of the holidays. So get your frames in order now by Woodbridge Collectibles. Yeah, they definitely do a good job. And we had a longer show rundown today, and this is going to be a longer show just because we've got a couple of guests coming on, and it pretty much had to light that rundown on fire. And anyone that's listening to this obviously knows the news that dropped in regards to Dan and Tanya hiring Bank of America Securities to explore potential transactions involving the team. You sent me a text today at about 11 o'clock just saying, dude, <laughs> there was nothing else tied to it other than that. And I knew exactly what you meant when you said it. But yeah. what were you thinking when that dropped today? Well, First, um, like any other fan, my mouth dropped open. And uh, if, if I could have had the emoji with the wide-eyed mouth open, that would have been me. Um, it's just a matter of one of those things where, is this really going to happen? Is this true? I had to pinch myself because I'm still kind of weary because we have seen this type of thing happen to us before. Maybe not to this, at this level, but it seemed like every week something was coming out about Dan Snyder or the franchise. And so now here we are that this is the first time that we haven't heard a rebuttal. So They actually came out and 
basically added more fuel to the fire. So yeah. Snyder bought the team in 1999 for $900 million. And now the team, according to last August, is valued at $4.2 billion. And that's with a B, billion dollars. So he's made a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. Now, the story dropped today. I was on Fox 5 earlier. I was on ABC 7 talking about it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, they're doing this because they need money to fund a new stadium. Because the municipalities are not willing to throw money in. Dan took 100% ownership of the team back in March of 2021. So he doesn't have any minority owners anymore. He owns all of it. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're doing this just to get an influx of cash. And Mitch Tischler actually tweeted this out. The Broncos sold for 25% more than their valuation. The commanders at 100% valuation right now would be $5.25 billion. If Snyder sold 40% of the team, then... He sees that could get them $1.5 to $2 billion if he's doing this just for minority ownership. Still shocked, but hey, that can help us buy a stadium. The part that was different for me when this report came out was the team actually sent a statement, and then a spokesperson mentioned after the fact that they are exploring all options. Not that this is something just to get minority ownership in here, that they're looking at everything. And as I said earlier, this is the first time that we've ever, ever heard any talk like this. I tend to think, Ted, that, um, and this is just rally, that there's, there's, there's a backstory behind this, that something is coming and they're trying to get ahead of it, possibly. And if you've seen him in person, he doesn't look that good, man. I mean, he just looks like he is out of it to a sense, and it could be where he realizes that no one wants to play ball with him. I mean, you see those pictures of the presidents when they first take office, mm -hmm. and then when they're walking out and leaving office and how it kind of ages them. That before and after, yeah. yeah. And you can somewhat see that with Dan mm -hmm. and see what's going on. And my first thought was part of the Mary Jo White report's coming out. Mm -hmm. or part of it's being leaked, or part of it is being told to Dan that the NFL might have gotten snippets of it, and they're trying to get ahead of something. Mm -hmm. I, We've talked about, we don't want to talk about speculation on the podcast, right? but this is a very, very big story for Huge. this franchise, this fan base, everybody in this area, so we've got to talk about it. And if he does decide to do that, and they do find suitors, obviously everyone knows that Jeff Bezos is our neighbor, and, you know, he's got the big complex he's putting out there in Roslyn. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what happens, whether it's just to get an influx of cash because he needs to build that stadium or because they're actually deciding to maybe potentially sell. Because, like you said, it's taxing. There's a lot going on. And all I know is that you and I are going to be here regardless, that this fan base is going to be here regardless. The part that was just so surprising is as recent as October 18th, when Jim Ursay made his comments, the team said in their statement back, we are confident that when he has an opportunity to see the actual evidence in his case, Mr. Ursay will conclude that there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise, and they won't. So that, when I read it back on the 18th, reminded me of 
we will never change the team name. Well, growing up, Ted, my parents said something that I'm sure your parents maybe have told you or growing up you heard, never say never because it will come back and bite you in the butt. And right now, all those nevers are coming back, and it's almost like the the oh, uh, yeah. the uh, the tweets that you see. Well, that didn't age very well. You always see stuff oh, yeah. like that, and so here we are. It's not aging very well. So, the fact of the matter is, and we sh- probably shouldn't stay on this too long. There are a lot of people who don't want him to be in the eye of the commanders anymore. So some of you may get your wish. We'll see. No one knows. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, and this was actually Adam Schefter on ESPN earlier today talking about it. That the Snyders right now are open to selling the franchise, and it's hard to imagine that you embark down this road, open the door to it, and not go through it in the end. We'll see if they do sell the franchise. I think there are a lot of people who think they will. Certainly Dan Snyder has enough money that he doesn't need to bring on minority partners to help support and run the franchise. So if you're announcing that you've retained the Bank of America to explore the sale of your franchise, well, then you're looking to move that franchise. So we'll have to wait and see. Nothing is going to happen overnight. No. All I know is that when something does happen, obviously the mess hall will be here to talk about it, and we'll be here to, you know, give our opinions on it. And I know everyone else has theirs, so feel free to tweet us. Let us know what you think about what's going to happen. But we got a game this weekend, and I really want to focus on that matchup versus the Vikings. We're 4-4. Four and four. We're back to 500. I think we're actually the eighth seed right now, and there are seven that make the playoffs. Seven, yeah. So talking about things that don't age well, I'm on record of saying that we're not making the playoffs this year. And I'm waiting for that to come back and bite me in the ass. I hope it does. Come January. I hope it does, too. Yeah. I I really do. But a couple of things that came back to kind of bite the commanders is the trade deadline was yesterday. Mm -hmm. William Jackson III got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was shocked that someone wanted to take his contract and that someone wanted him because you kept hearing all day that if the commanders can't find a dance partner, they're just going to cut Jackson and let him go and eat that cap space. What did you think when you actually heard that trade come through? I was shocked as well because, for the most part, he was dangling on a wire that uh, a couple minutes or, what was it, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, if he just would have done nothing, he would have been cut. And we would have been in charge of all that money from him, but now we get a, a, a late compensatory pick. So I think that it was the best situation for both parties because – he was almost starting to become Josh Norman-esque, if you will. Um, people were at the point where they were tired of Josh Norman. And any time that the ball was going deep, they would throw it to Josh Norman. And for these last games, when even though he said his back was hurting, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But uh, he just wasn't, was nowhere near the play. So we had to move on and... It cost us a lot of money to, to, to realize that mistake, but I'm glad that we did. I am too, and we're sending a conditional seventh-round pick in 2025, yeah, 2-0-2-5, Jeez. and we are getting a conditional six-round pick in 2025. A lot of things have to happen for that to go through. 
But the good news is that the Steelers take on Jackson's remaining contract for the season. Mm -hmm. So the commanders get out of $2.7 million. But next year, he's going to have a dead cap number of $9 million that we've got to account for. So you cut your losses. He didn't really fit here. And this was actually J.P. Finley asking Ron Rivera, really, what happened? Internally, you guys had to make some trades yourself. William Jackson III, assuming everything gets finalized by the league, going to Pittsburgh. How did you guys arrive at this decision? Well, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, more so than anything else, is that we looked at what we tried to do with, with, with William, and, and it didn't work. I mean, quite honestly, it didn't, we didn't find the fit that we were hoping to find. Um, we were looking for a guy that had a specific skill set that could understand the match coverages and play the match coverages the way we, we, we do with everybody else. And he struggled with it because he really is a man coverage type guy. Um, so along the lines during our, our evaluation process, we were wrong. How tough is that to look at now? Or is that the business of pro football? That is the business of pro football. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. And, and, and when you get it wrong, when you recognize it, realize it, time to move on. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to not just you know move on for us, our sake, but for also give William an opportunity to go to a team that knows that you know, they're going to give this guy a shot to use his skill set and exactly what they do specifically. One thing that I was happy to hear is that we are finally admitting to making mistakes. You know, for the longest time, we would just say, oh, okay. But to be able to, to it, it shows growth for me. I don't know about you, but for me, it shows growth. And if we could just continue to do that on all levels, from ownership on down to to the employee, I think that we would go a lot further. Just, hey, we made, you made a mistake, you admit it, you move on. It may cost us some money, but the fact is you admitted it and you're not trying to sugarcoat it or pull the wool over our eyes because everyone saw us play. So we moved on and I hope that he, he does well. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him in Pittsburgh. You know, he's, he's gone now. He's not here. He never called me to help him pack. I, I did offer. I was definitely happy to make sure he got on whatever plane he was getting to to Pittsburgh and his stuff was with him. You know, he hasn't played since he got pulled in that Titans game in the first quarter. And Wild Goose has stepped in. And I guess the good news is he's gotten some game reps. He's got some experience because he's going to need that this week oh, yeah. going up against the Vikings. But someone who potentially could be coming back soon, the team activated or they designated Chase Young to return to practice. Mm -hmm. So his 21-day clock officially started today. It's Wednesday the 2nd again. And we'll see if he actually plays this week. They asked Coach, what does he think? And uh, Chase, how did he look today? Chase looked good. He's anxious. You know, um, today was a tone-it-down day just because we've had a – you know, we're in the eighth week and uh, going to the ninth week of the season. Really haven't had a true break. And so we just kind of toned it down with the guys. It's been really physical the last few weeks, too, in terms of our approach to the football game. We wanted to get these guys back a little bit. So we, you know, took the helmets, took the pads off, and just really focused in on our technique today. Is it possible that Chase plays Sunday against the Vikings? Um, that's probably jumping the gun. Uh, he did look good. And one of the things I've always told you guys, we'll see how he is tomorrow, how he reacts to the amount of work he had. Um, he looked quick. He looked spry. Uh, he was excited. Um, and again, we're going to follow what the trainers and doctors tell us about this. 
So it doesn't sound like Rivera wants to say he's going to be out there this week. And, I mean, we're both on record through training camp. We don't want to see him until he's 100% mm-hmm. ready. And from a health perspective, he appears to be there, or else they would not have designated him to return. But there's being ready, and then there's also being in football shape. And he's not in football shape yet. And no. it would be nice to have him this week. Do we need him? I'm going to say probably if we want to get this win and make it easier. But if he gets a chance to maybe come back next week when you're in Philly for Monday night and to potentially help us stop Jalen Hurts where he's going to be a little bit better and better suited to go because the last thing we need is for this young man to have a setback after it's been nearly an entire year since he's been injured. Uh, I'll say this, Ted. I wouldn't mind him playing this week. But just a couple snaps, just to see where he truly is, providing, providing, I have to put that in there, there's a caveat, providing that the doctors do actually clear him and how he feels, well, they did clear him, but how he feels after tomorrow's practice. If he feels good, I say put him on a snap count, I don't know, five, ten plays, maybe, maybe, and um, because the, the true test will be against Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and it it is interesting to see him out there today. There were news choppers. I don't know if Chopper Brad was there, but there were news choppers flying over Ashburn once the Dan Snyder news hit. So you could see oh, they them were out there. Okay, you could see them with a camera down on the field. So you actually got to see Chase doing some reps and some warm ups because that's a part of practice that's not supposed to be filmed. Mm. But the helicopter's up in the air, and I don't think they had anything to shoot them down. So. We got to see a little sneak peek of Chase. They didn't actually do anything crazy today. It's midway through the season. No pads? Rivera. No, no pads. Okay. They're just in T-shirts and panties, as B. Mitch likes to call it. So nothing crazy today. Part of the question is, is he going to be there? But for me, is Cole Holcomb going to be there? Are we going to get a chance yeah. to see Cole back? And they're saying he's progressing, and he was out there walking around and doing stuff. But the true test is, how does he feel tomorrow? How mm-hmm. does Chase feel tomorrow? How does Jahan feel tomorrow? Fingers crossed we get these guys back to some degree for this Sunday because we have got a tough matchup going against the Vikings. Huge. And speaking of which, we've got Luke Braun joining us from the Locked on Vikings podcast. We really appreciate you joining us today, Luke. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Good to talk. Definitely, definitely. And we're excited for this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. You guys are... Five wins in a row, six and one right now. And some of the news down here in the D.C. area is you guys are kind of the quietest six and one team in the NFL. What's it like being up there with obviously all the coverage and everything else going on? It's been a while since the Vikings have been over 500. (laughs) They hadn't been over 500 since 2019 going into this year. So it's nice. Um, nice to win. They are, I mean, it, you probably are more familiar with the Giants season, and this season has been kind of like that. There's, If you wanted to dismiss every win the Vikings had, you wouldn't have to work too hard to do that. You could say, ah, you know, they needed a double doink in London to win. You know, ah, the Packers aren't even really that good. Beating them isn't all that impressed. Like, you could go through every single win and do that. Um, eventually, they stack so much where it doesn't matter. But the uh, the Vikings are getting better every week. 
which is to be expected. You know, new head coach, new stuff. Everybody's learning something new. And they're getting a little more comfortable with it each week. So the the fraudulent nature of the early wins is going to become less and less relevant as the season goes on here. At least that's my hope. And then they add a huge piece in TJ Hawkinson. So they're really going to try to make a run at this. They've got a stranglehold on the NFC North. And let's see what this season can be. So what's the local news saying as far as the Commanders versus uh, the Vikings? Is this Are they saying this is a pushover game? Or what's the spirit? No, not when you're four and four. I don't, I, maybe some people are, but I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I don't think that there is a pushover game in this NFL. Um, everybody's too tightly packed. There's a few teams like the Bills and Chiefs that are sort of head and shoulders above everybody else, but otherwise nobody is, there, there's not really the haves and have-nots that we're so used to. There's like, everybody's a little flawed. But right now the local media is just talking about TJ Hawkinson. We haven't really moved on to the commanders yet. We're all pretty excited about that. Yeah, I don't blame you. We actually played TJ earlier this year when we faced him against the Lions. The Lions yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see him again this week when he's coming, right. you know, obviously with you guys in Minnesota. And speaking of which, uh, one of our old quarterbacks is coming back here that owns a bunch of franchise records. It'll be the first time Kirk Cousins is coming back to D.C. or Landover. Oh, yeah, because the other one was in, in U.S. Bank. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's a Taylor Heineke revenge game, too. That it is. And Scott Turner, just because uh, Scott yeah. was obviously over there at one point in time. So there's going to be a, yeah, with his dad. a lot of different, uh, I guess, soap opera stories, if you will, that you can tie into this game. Has there been anything from a media perspective? I mean, Kirk has always been a professional whenever he's in front of a microphone. Has he yeah, said he anything? Yeah, he that pretty quick. Okay. I, I'm yeah, not he kinda, surprised. He's like, I'm not. I, I, he, his answer was like, I can't afford to focus on that. I, th there's too much work to do. <laughs> that sounds Which, like Kurt. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep, he's a politician up there. You're not, you're not going to get anything from that. Side. I mean, we just had some really spicy revenge game narratives from Arizona. Um, Patrick Peterson had a lot to say oh, after yeah. he had a phenomenal game against Arizona. So we do have some spicy revenge game narratives. I don't think we're going to see them in this one though. I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's been too long. It's what was it? 2017 was the last time he, it's been like five years. Everybody's it's been a while. Everything. We still miss him here. I'm not going to lie. I've been yeah. watching all of your games and looking at all the film and wanting Wistfully. to send, <laughs> oh yeah. Wanting to send a text <laughs> message to Bruce Allen with just a bunch of middle finger emojis saying, why did you let him go for nothing? I mean, it was just so unbelievable that a franchise quarterback like that, who here his stigma was he can't win the big one. You just let him go knowing that he's doing well for you guys out there in Minnesota. You got a comp pick, right? You got a third round comp pick. What did you do with that? I probably didn't really do much with that. and I, Didn't work out. Yeah, someone like that to let go of a talent like that for really nothing. I mean, oh. you know, it's no, you didn't pretty frustrating. <laughs> canceled out because you signed case Keenum. Okay. There you go. So yeah, that, that doesn't really help much, but I'm hearing from some Vikings fans, uh hundred percent cheese free. Obviously the guy that Randy Moss <laughs> would jump to in the end zone. He's a brother of mine. We're in a PFU FA together. And I hear different things from him and other Vikings fans about some of the same frustrations we had here in D.C. with Kirk, where he oh, yeah. likes to pad stats and is kind of more about that versus, you know, 100% putting the game on his shoulders, on his back, and going for that win. Is it really the same narrative, or is that just kind of from a fan base perspective? I wouldn't say stat padding. Um, I think that's a different, like, accusation, but... 
Uh, Kirk Cousins, for most of the time he has been here, has been very overly willing to take an easy completion over an easy conversion, if that makes sense. That's That's mm-hmm. been one of my key criticisms of, of him, is that if it's open, if he can complete the pass, he's going to take that. Um, and not necessarily being as situationally aware. I can complete that pass for this great four-yard gain. Well, it's third and eight, Kirk. Like, that's the kind of thing that um, has has plagued the Vikings for a few years. Um, I think he's been better about that this year. And what Kevin O'Connell has him doing is being a little bit more greedy. And, and I think he's that's been a big note for O'Connell on, on Cousins. It's like, play greedy. Play, you know, that is a great... There have been times where he has come off a perfectly good completion that would have been six yards on first down and progressed onward because he knew that Justin Jefferson would be breaking open over the middle on like a dig route and then hit Justin Jefferson. And, and now it's a big play, right? He's done that more often this year and it's been really nice. Um, I mean, he's worked really hard on his mobility, his, his pocket presence and stuff. It has been, I, I would say that Kirk cousins has taken a step forward, particularly this year, but what you might, I, maybe that's what you're calling stat padding is, is padding that completion percentage, right? Well, it's we, just like taking those easy ones. He used to be called captain check down here when he was in DC. Sure is. And he gets through his progression media. so fast. Yeah. He'll come off of stuff really fast when it's just a little bit risky. But then at the same time, sometimes I think he'll get a little bit impatient with it. And then he'll start forcing too tight of windows, which is why I don't know if you've seen my Twitter. I have the cousins chaos meter because he is a chaotic <laughs> presence. Uh, you know, with he can have a game like Philly where he throws three interceptions. He can have a game where he throws four touchdowns, right? Like there's a chaos to it. And sometimes he's captain check down. Sometimes he's forcing things too much. Sometimes he dials in that amount of chaotic energy just perfectly where he can have a game where he's 350, three touchdowns and you win by, you know, 20 points. Well, one of the things that when he was here that the fans were very upset with was that from the 20 to, from the 20 to the 20, he was golden but he just couldn't convert in the red zone or he would really? throw he, yeah he would throw a pick to a wide open defender is he still doing that with you guys I know uh red zone has been good if anything this year Kevin O'Connell has been the star of the red zone everything has been free so we haven't really had to try that hard but there was one play I want to say my in Miami it happened where he he found Adam Thielen on the fourth read in the red zone on the backside of the play. It was a really like calm, quiet progression in a not perfect protection either. There was a little pressure coming around and he actually found that it was a busted coverage and Adam Thielen was wide open. So the throw itself wasn't uh, too hard, but it was or no, he was he, he had a corner in trail. So he still had to lead him a little bit. So it was a decent throw. Uh, but the progression itself was really good. I, I think Kirk's been nice in the red zone for the most part. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that you guys are 66.6% in the red zone this season. And Kevin O'Connell was someone that we wanted to stay here. We really wanted to keep him in the area, but we've had so many coaching changes since then. And um, I'm happy to see him succeeding in Minnesota. I'm happy to see what's going on with him out there in the Vikings that he and Kirk were able to get reunited. I used to do a TV show out back then at Redskins Park and would see him in his little makeshift office in his little closet that he created mm-hmm. and get a chance to talk to him every once in a while. And he's just a very personable guy, easy to get along with and easy to root for from that perspective. And the fan base is kind of torn on him. And one thing that I had noticed while we were kind of doing some research on this game, a lot of the wins you guys have had this season have actually only one of them was against a team with a winning record, and that was the Tuolus Dolphins 
at the time. And I'm thinking some of the, I don't want to say speculation, but some of the roared out there in the, you know, social media verses, the Vikings are potentially a good team, but they haven't beaten anybody good yet. But you can then again only play whoever's on your record. And the fact that yeah. all of the scores have been, all the games have been within one score for the most part. And they're all pretty close games hmm. against lesser talent. Has there been any concerns of that in Minnesota? I, th that there's a germ of like the main concern there. I don't really pay a lot of attention to did they did, did we win against teams with a winning record or whatever because what if that team had a really hard schedule and that's why they don't have a winning record. After all, when you're 6 and 1, you put a loss on 6 of your opponent's records. What if that was a win? Would that become a, you know, that kind of stuff it, there's there's too much noise in it for it to really be significant to mm -hmm. me. Um but the spirit of that critique is they aren't beating up the Bears the way you would expect a team to beat up the Bears. They didn't beat up the Lions the way you would expect a 6-1 and one team to beat up a 1-6 a, a team. Um, and I think that that is fair, that they, they weren't there. But that was, again, earlier in the season, and I think they're getting a, a little bit better um, in terms of that. But there's still a lot of inconsistency. Early in the season, they were busting coverages left and right. They were busting protections left and right. They weren't communicating properly. It was very clear that everyone was learning a new role. The defense especially transitioned from the Zimmer 4-3 to the Vic Fangio style 3-4 that Ed Donatel runs. That means everyone's job's a lot different. Everybody's reading things differently. Everybody's going through different... Um, you know, decision trees and, and thought processes that they've been used to for the last eight years. And that caused them, I think, to underperform quite a bit. And then they won anyways, and that rules. We will, we'll take those, right? <laughs> um, but that underperformance has started to wane. And I think they're starting to really um, actualize who they're supposed to be. How high that climbs is, remains to be seen. That who, that, that, that who they're supposed to be might be functionally a 550 team, maybe, you know, like a uh, call it a nine and eight or a 10 and seven team, but they've already won more games where th those lucky wins don't stop counting. So the way I've been saying it is, you know, through the rest of the season, they could go six and four for the rest of the season. That would be 12 and five in a division title, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you season's kind of already there. Um, but when it comes to you guys for like an opposed, an opponent scouting thing, um, I think you're hoping that the Vikings make a lot of mistakes over the middle of the field and on defense. That's really been the the thing that teams like the bears and lions, um, you know, Skylar Thompson on the dolphins took advantage of uh, was that they just haven't spaced themselves very well in the middle of the field. So the question becomes, can the commanders make those uh, those posts or those digs over the middle of the field, those chunk plays, is that something that you guys are good at? If so, that presents a pretty big problem that the Vikings have struggled to solve. So one of the things that I that I see with Kirk, Kirk but back when he played for us, was the commanders or the Redskins at the time didn't want to pay him the contract that he was looking for, but then he goes to you guys, basically the first quarterback, I want to say, that with a fully guaranteed contract, Yep. I, know, I know when he first started, you, there were some grumblings with him saying that he wasn't worth the money. Do you guys still feel that way? <laughs> That's It depends on which fan you ask, but that has been the debate raging among Vikings fans and media for the last five years, has always been. Um, he also kind of got the worst guy to ask that because I, the, for me, the money has never been 
the problem with Kirk Cousins um, because I'm one of those salary cap nihilists that thinks, look, whatever you need to make happen, you can probably make happen. Um, and that's not to say that the salary cap is a myth or anything like it clearly has an impact. You got to make cap casualty cuts and stuff. Of course, you'd rather keep those players, but it's more that the, the salary caps limits are a lot more stretchable than we think when we go look at spot tracker over the cap and we see, oh no, they've only got one and a half million. That number's a lot higher than you think. And they've just got moves that they could be making that they're not making unless they have to. So you feel he's lived so up to his contract. contract. You feel he's lived up to his contract I, then. I just don't care about it. Okay. I, I think that he's um, a, a 10-ish. He's been, the whole time he's been here, somewhere between the 10th and 12th-ish best quarterback in the league. Personally, I've been a hater on that. I don't think that that's worth enough. And the thing I do care about about the contract is that it it doesn't allow any flexibility for making a change. If Kirk Cousins plays the worst quarterback you've ever seen for the next six games, there's nothing the Vikings can do about it. There's a no-trade clause, and we're past the deadline, but even if we weren't, um, you know, the, the money is too great for you to justify benching him and you're not going to bench him for Nick Mullins anyways. Um, you're, you're not getting rid of him next season because of the, the fully guaranteed nature of it, unless he waives the no trade clause. That's the critique I have. There's no room for options. There's no alternative to Kirk Cousins if you decide you're not happy enough with him. So they have decided we're happy with Kirk Cousins. That puts a standard on Kirk Cousins, I agree, of, hey, you are a market rate paid quarterback, so I'm going to expect certain things of you. I'm going to make expect you to make certain difficult throws. You got to make a go ball down the sideline. You know, you have to be able to work the pocket when it's messy. I, we can't say you have to have a perfect pocket every time that your market rate quarterback's got to overcome some pressure sometimes. And those expectations are where I think the arguments start to come in with Vikings fans that they say, well, you know, it's, it's the O-line's fault. It's the receiver's fault. He didn't get open, blah, blah, blah. Um, but But for me, I say, well, I expect him to overcome those things a little bit. I think he's done a good job of that this year. I, I can't say that about the last two years. I thought he did a good job in, in 2019 too. So it, it's hit or miss. Mm -hmm. um, but all in all, the the actual dollar amount is a distraction to me. Point is, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for 2022. He's the quarterback for 2023. There's nothing the Vikings can do about that. And that's the context in which we evaluate this. We better be happy with it, are we? Gotcha. Yeah, and one thing that Kirk has been for you all is durable. And yeah, I think he's missed one start in his entire time with you all. And I think that was just because you guys were he sitting your starters. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, what was oh, that? Oh, two starts. Yeah, two star there okay. was one. He, he we were resting the starters in 2019 because uh, we didn't, we were already in the playoffs. And then he missed a game last year with COVID. But yeah, yeah, I mean, keeping that part out of it, much I'm, different conversation. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you want to get into that. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I mean, here in Washington, we have had just a myriad of quarterbacks that have walked through our door since Kirk has left us. And actually, Ron Rivera mm -hmm. is averaging a new quarterback just about every four games. And oh my god, yeah, it's been tough. It's rough. Luke. And once again, we're joined by Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. We really appreciate him joining us here at the DMV Mess Hall today. But, man, you guys have had a solid QB1 for a long time now, and we're on our second quarterback for this season, and I don't even want to count how many in the two-and-a-half-year Ron Rivera era. So a little bit jealous from our end, just from a win perspective. But the one player on your team that I'm really jealous of is Dalvin Cook. I mean, what he and Madison were able to do last week against the Cardinals, I think they combined for 151 nuts. and two touchdowns. But yeah. his running style, just the way he hits those holes with that speed and that power, 
I mean, he's, and I don't want to say he's who I'm concerned the most about this upcoming matchup, but he's definitely 1B, if not 1A for me. If he's 1B, he should be 1B, if if not a straight 2. Justin Jefferson's the guy to worry about. Sorry, that's... Jefferson. Yeah, and I'm sure you're, you're going ask about him too, but... Yeah, well, now with Jefferson obviously feeling there and then adding Hawkinson into the mix... Mm-hmm. Curious how much Hawkinson we're going to see with him trying to get into that playbook and, you know, being able to run Kevin O'Connell's offense. Or is it something that Commanders fans maybe shouldn't have to worry about as much this week and your opponent next week might have to consider it? Right. Um, So Hawkinson was asked about this uh, as we're recording this like an hour ago. Um, You know, hey, how, how are you getting to know the new playbook? And he basically got it last night when he got off the plane. Um, so still working on it. Right. But he also said, you know, football's football. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody runs duo and duo is a, a run play. Everybody mm-hmm. has, you guys run it. We run it. And one of the key things of duo is the tight end blocks the edge rusher on his side. That's just universal. So you don't really need to have like a ton of memorization to understand how to block duo. Once you've been in the league for a long time, I'm pretty sure they ran a bunch of that at Iowa too. Like he's going to be familiar with that. He's going to be familiar with how to zone block. Uh, they ran a little bit of everything in Detroit. So he's going to be familiar with some of those things. And it's just a matter of learning the terminology and memorizing and stuff like that, which if you work hard, you can get it. But I think my my guess for this, and this is totally just my speculation, is a he'll get a package of plays and you'll kind of say, all right, this is what we're going to run with you this time. Here's a couple of zone runs, a couple of play actions off of that, a couple of duos, a couple of play actions off of that, maybe some downfield passing if we really want here's your package There's like 10 plays that we really think that you can learn and if you can learn these 10 plays and we're going to be happy with it that's going to be what we choose from and we'll run each of them a couple of times and you'll get half the snaps or something like that but it's going to be you know you don't need them to learn the entire playbook and swallow it all in one bite you can kind of fold it in 10 plays at a time until we've got a mini buy that'll come up after thanksgiving they play on thanksgiving and then probably by then um, he'll have been here for a few weeks and you can call him as comfortable with the offense as he's going to get. But this game, I'm going to guess that it is a package. Now, how many snaps that turns into probably depends on the ebb and flow of the game. How many times do they want to go to those particular plays? Could be six reps, could be 25, could be 40. Um, but I, that's probably how, the, how they will approach it. Well, that's at least some saving grace and some good news maybe for some Commanders fans over here that we're stressing because when we faced them against... The Lions, I mean, he only went three for 26, but he did have a long one for 18. And we do know that, you know, from past experience, Kirk being here, he did like going to his tight end. So when we heard that that trade happened yesterday afternoon, I was a little frustrated because we didn't want to have to see TJ again. But fingers crossed we can get a chance to uh, shut him down, at least here in D.C. I know you guys are hoping for other things there. But from a defensive perspective, Zadarius Smith is leading the team with seven and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And last week, he had three on a very elusive Kyler Murray. And Taylor Heineke is not Kyler Murray. So <laughs> he's turning this on at this point in time. Is Are we seeing a lot of stunts from your defensive linemen? Is it just... Oh, some- yeah. Okay. Yeah, a ton of that. A ton of Daniil Hunter on one side, Zedaria Smith on the other. And, and whichever way you turn the protection, the other guy gets a one-on-one. Um, they did a really, really great job of uh, getting Zadarius Smith one-on-one. The, the Cardinals had a couple of backup guys on the interior that a backup center, backup left guard. 
and Will Hernandez was the right guard. He hasn't been playing very well either. So it was kind of one-on-one with anybody on the interior. And Zadarius Smith's superpower is beating interior linemen. So the question I would have, I have no idea who's on your interior, but who's the worst guy on your interior? The Vikings would probably try to get Zadarius Smith one-on-one with him a lot. And mm. if you deny that, it probably comes at the cost of leaving Daniel Hunter one-on-one with a tackle. So pick your poison. That's kind of the way that the defensive line has worked. Some team like Philly just like had the horses to deal with that and they just couldn't get home at all. It was also week two people still learning, reading, playing a little slower. Um, so I, if we played Philly again, like, I don't know if it would go down the same way, but they still like, they've got a really good O-line over there. So that was part of it. I have no idea what kind of offensive line you guys are dealing with, but that's sort of the, the challenge presented, I, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From a, Offensive line on our side, the guys are not very good. We that's Uh-oh. pretty much our, our weakest part of our team. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Andrew Norwell, a ex Commander. That's what we call them here, a former Carolina Panther and now a commander. Oh. He's and not doing well. He's not doing well at all. Our really? interior is not doing well. We lost our starting center, Chase Ruye, mm-hmm. earlier this season. Tyler Larson is coming back from a major injury last year, and he's also banged up this week. Sadiq Charles missed the game last week because he was actually ill, not COVID-related. He was just ill. And Trey Turner came in, who was a free agent that we also brought in from Carolina. So our interior line is not doing well at all. And you're talking about being able to take advantage of those middle-of-the-field throws that take some time to get there. And our tight ends from that side of things are also – not the best when it comes down to it. We've got Logan Thomas that's still banged like, up. No, we're not Logan. Oh, he's banged up. He's still say, a little I'm a banged big up. Stan. I love the, the converted quarterback. We do too. And speaking of which, we've got Armani Rogers, who's yeah. a converted quarterback that is also one of our tight ends. And we're just not taking advantage of tight ends that much in this scheme. And maybe that's because we've got, you know, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, and we've got speedsters on the outside. But for Commander's fans' sake, I'm hoping we get a chance to at least slow that pass rush down because, you know, seeing what you Mm -hmm. all did against Kyler this past week, and I can't remember the gentleman's name from Miami who subbed in for Tua, but seeing how— Skyler Thompson, but Teddy Bridgewater played most of that game because Thompson got hurt. Yeah, and seeing what they were able to do and how you guys were able to kind of slow them down and still really win those games, it doesn't leave me warm and fuzzies leading into this matchup. And it's only Wednesday, and a lot of things can change. I'm assuming you're going to go with Minnesota over the Commanders this week, but I'm just curious. What are you thinking for a score prediction and game prediction? So last I checked, the spread was Vikings by like three and a half. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take the Vikings to, to cover that. Um, I don't know what the over-under is, but I'll, I'll take something like a, uh, like a 28-24. Go right, nice and right in the middle. Um, I will say, if you're looking for a modicum of, of hope, you seem pretty down. I'll give you this. DeAndre Hopkins got 159 yards last week on, on Cameron, mostly Cameron Dantzler. Anytime the Hopkins one was Cameron Dantzler, he just could not hang. And it's DeAndre Hopkins, right? But you got Terry McLaurin, who's certainly in the, the upper tier of wide receivers. So if, if you want to put Terry McLaurin outside on Cameron Dantzler all day, um, eventually the Vikings will be in a coverage where it's either quarters on that side or a man-to-man coverage straight up, which will leave Cameron Dantzler one-on-one with Terry McLaurin. There might be a matchup there that you can take advantage of. Of course, you got to block it up and, and protect for it so you can get the ball out. But 
that's if I if I'm gonna guess as to what like Ron Rivera and Scott Turner that offensive staff are looking at, it's ways to find that ways to get uh, Terry McLaurin either there or on Chandon Sullivan, the slot corner who has struggled mightily, and find those man to man opportunities. I think what you're gonna see from the Commanders is a lot of Taylor uh, on his on his wheels because as mm. Ted said, our offensive line is is not the best right now. So you're going to see Taylor, I think, moving in that throughout that pocket and, and getting a lot done with his feet this week. Yeah, <laughs> we, and we don't like that, especially because it's Heineke and we let him go and it's kind of a sore spot. Yeah, really sore spot for you guys. Um, it is. So hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Taylor Heineke in Minnesota, but 2016, no. Teddy Bridgewater tears up his knee. You probably remember that, right? Yes. Um, Taylor Heineke would have been the backup, probably. Sean Hill was the true backup, but he was like 40 and they were never going to go into the season with him. <laughs> he starts one game and then Sam Bradford comes in. They traded a first round pick for Sam Bradford. Well, that first round pick turned into Derek Barnett for the Philadelphia Eagles, who gets a strip sack on us in the NFC championship, by the way. Um, and also a fourth round pick that turned into Josh Sweat. <laughs> so that trade hurts, right? And that trade probably doesn't happen if we have Taylor Heineke. The, the team was really excited about Taylor Heineke, and, and the, all the stuff that he does is just this natural instinct that he always had. He had it for us in the preseason in those years too. But in, I think, uh, a late-night ill-advised, he got his friend got locked out of an apartment, and he tries to kick a door down. Oh, yeah. He tears up a tendon in his foot, and he's out for the season. And that happened before the Teddy Bridgewater injury. So he wasn't available. So there is this what if to us. What if Taylor Heineke starts that season? 2016 probably doesn't go that well, but we would still have our first round pick in 2017. And with a first round pick in 2017 that the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have in 2017 plays out that way. <laughs> we play them in the 2017 NFC Championship. What if we had Derek Barnett? Would that have gone a little differently? So there's a bit of a sore spot with Taylor Heineke, sort of a butterfly effect. If he runs around on us and throws a whole bunch of scrambly improv improvisational touchdowns, we're, we're going to be real frustrated. Well, I don't know a lot, but I do know that that will happen this week with Heineke. He does like to scramble. He does like to extend plays. And I'm assuming you all have seen that YOLO ball he threw to Terry to uh, end that game mm -hmm. last week. So that, that's pretty much vintage Taylor. And he likes to react versus think. And I have a feeling mm -hmm. that we're going to have a lot of that, especially with that pass rush coming in here. But, Luke, I want to thank you for joining us here in the mess hall. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Appreciate it, Luke. Yeah. Great time. Good to talk to you. Really appreciate Luke from joining us. Appreciate We're hoping it, to have more guys on from different shows, different territories, because we all hear what people think about us locally, but it's kind of interesting to hear what people are saying outside the DMV area. Even though Luke admittedly didn't know a ton about the commanders, I wouldn't waste a ton of time if my team was 6-1 and one, trying to figure out about the team coming up next or the things happening there. But based on what we talked about with Luke, Based on the matchup that we've got going on against a 6-1 and one Kirk Cousins team, who is your Warbridge Collectibles Signature Player of the Week? Who's got to give that performance to make us be 5-4 and four and hopefully maybe get to that 7th seed versus that 8th seed? Well, because it is Kirk Cousins and Kirk does have a gun on him, uh, I'm going to say Kendall Fuller because Kendall Fuller has been exploited these last couple of games, although he did, he played better uh, against Indianapolis. 
But uh, Kendall Fuller is my definitely my Woodbridge Collectibles player. He has to show up. It's not a bad one. And I'm actually staring at a Kendall Fuller white commander's jersey right now there in the corner. And Look at that. That is nice because I haven't actually seen any other players other than, you know, your typical Terry and Chase and Carson. And we got a, what, a Heineke jersey right here to my left, you're right. And we mm-hmm. got a Fuller jersey right there. I mean, for me, it's going to have to be Heineke. Oh, okay. Heineke's going to have to give us that signature player this week because we can't wait to go down against the Vikings. We can't do what we did against the, who did we just play? The Colts. The Colts. That cannot happen. If we go down to the Vikings, they're just going to exploit us. And then Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison are just going to get that ball and they're going to eat up that clock. We have got to stay within one score of these guys. And that means that Taylor is going to have to manage this game. We were, I think, two for 12 on third down last week. Nah, that's piss poor. You can't do that against a team like this. And we talked mm-hmm. about it with Luke. Mm-hmm. The Vikings could be somewhat smoke and mirrors, but going back and watching their games, seeing how they're doing it, Kirk is still the Kirk that we remember here, if not better. And he's been reunited with Kevin O'Connell. Mm-hmm. He is in an offense that he somewhat grew up with and loves, and he is making tighter window throws. It's not the same captain checkdown that I'm used to watching out in those stands. Right. And because of that, our secondary really has a challenge for them today. Wild Goose, Fuller, who you mentioned, St. Juice, you know, all those guys, they've got their you know, work cut out for him with Justin Jefferson, Thielen, and now with Hawkinson coming over here. But if Kirk can, not Kirk, if Taylor can keep the offense going and actually put some points on the board early versus late, we've got a shot to pull out this W this week. So is it going to come down to coaching or is it going to come down to Taylor? To me, it's going to come down to Taylor. So he's going to basically put the team on his back then is what you're saying. He's going to have to if we want to win this week because I don't see our running game getting started. And, yes, the Vikings' defense is 28th in yards allowed, but we haven't been able to really run stoutly because of the holes in the offensive line. Okay, so with that being said, Ted, do you feel that Taylor can check out of a play if he sees that he doesn't like that play? Oh, I do. He okay. knows this offense. Okay. I mean, he has been with Scott Turner since Scott's time in Minnesota. Okay. And Carson was able to check out of a couple of plays several games in. Not when it started in the season, but several right. games in, he was able to do that. So I don't have a doubt he can do that. It's just when I'm saying it comes down to Taylor and not the coaching, Taylor does better when he is reacting, not thinking. Mm-hmm. We saw what he did in those scramble drills and everything to bring us back those last two drives. Mm-hmm. We need that Taylor, but the entire game. We can't have it just the last two drives. We cannot go down by two scores against the Vikings because if we do, game over. But a lot of times when he does what you're saying, he'll give you that pick that we all know he will do. He is guaranteed to give you at least one. And the Vikings are tied for fourth in takeaways at one and a half, 1.9 a game. So I'm just chalking it up. You talked about it. I think it was uh, any given Sunday before. Mm. Willie Beeman. Willie Beeman. He would throw up in a trash can. 
or on the field. Yeah. And then after he got that out of him, he was good. Okay. So right. in other words, like Joey Sly, he's he's going to miss one field goal because or uh, extra point. Of the, uh, okay, or extra point because of the angst. But after that, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be money in the bank. Okay. I wouldn't exactly go money in the bank, but maybe he settles a little bit and kind of okay. calms down. I'm not saying that's what happens, but I kind of make it a given in my mind that he's going to give one up. Okay. Whether it's just chalk it up. Yeah. Okay. That it's just going to happen. So if I'm picking over unders on turnovers, I'm going at least with one. But what I'm hoping is that he gets it out of his system and we get to see the tailor that knows this offense, that can run this offense, and that will extend plays because we are going to need that. We talked about what is it, Zadarius Smith having seven and a half sacks. And Luke mentioned how he's going to be lined up on our weakest guard. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Yeah. So if Taylor can really step up, we got a chance to win this week. And to me, I hate to say it, but it's all on him this Sunday. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a buzz in his ear and say, Taylor, this is all on you. Tailgate Ted said, no matter what, it's on you. Hey, we'll cut this up, man. All I mean, right. if he wants some, what, what are the Vikings colors? Purple and what? Purple and gold. Yeah, purple and gold. I'm colorblind. So if he wants some purple and gold Jordans, then he's going to have to step it up this week so he can show those off at the next practice. Okay. But what is your game prediction and score? What are you thinking actually is going to happen? Well, Minnesota is known for being able to put points on the board, and the commanders are not. So I'm hoping that we can dominate on offense so that this can be a low-scoring game. Keep Kirk Cousins off of the field and then that powerful offense off the field. I think our defense can do it. So I agree with you as far as Taylor being able to take control or take command. How's that? And, man, I'm going to say it's going to be a 19-17 to game. Commanders on top. 19 to 17, man. So we cover the spread. Uh-huh. The Vikings are three and a half point favorites. So that'd be nice. I'm, I'm going to have to drive to Virginia and actually place a bet this time. I hate to be a downer. Uh oh. But I'm going Vikings this week. Okay. I, I think their offense is a little too much for our secondary. Our front four is dominating. They're playing very well. It's just our DBs. They're not doing as well. We saw that P.I. that mm-hmm. Wild Goose had. Yeah. I mean, he was holding hands, basically trick-or-treating with that Colts player. He was asking them to dance, basically, yeah. Yeah, and I just I don't see RDBs keeping up with their wide receivers. And Kirk is able to use his legs. He's been running a lot this season and scrambling. He had, I want to say, maybe a 30-yard touchdown run last week did he he did and if our defensive linemen are not rushing four as one like they have been recently but if they're giving a couple gaps he is going to exploit it he's going to take advantage of it i hate to say it but i see them 27 13 vikings this week 27 13 all right i hope i'm wrong but me too good news is it's our blackout game and the team is actually going to be giving out these beanies, and I know it's tough to see on the camera. We'll take a picture of it. Yeah. So if you guys get to the stadium, get there early. These things are amazing, man. It says uh, one mission with a big patch on it, unit Washington commanders, and it's got a skew. I, that's just, I'm guessing you would appreciate that being former military. Oh, yeah. Uh, I probably should have put this on before we started the show because I'm freezing my ass off right now. Definitely need it. Yeah. But you guys are going there this week. Make sure you grab one of these at the gates coming up. And 
I'm hoping we can get that stadium to go crazy because we're going to need the 12th man out there to help the team this week. No purple people eaters allowed this week. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the DMV Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. As I always tell you guys, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to us on all your podcast platforms. We're going to be almost, not yet, rep it hard. I don't rep it at all. And we'll be out.